What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself the uh, Wire. The, oh, the Wire. Oh, the Wire, yep. Uh, a The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast, where we talk about HBO's The Wire, a show about how Irishmen will literally put their career at risk to conduct a month-long wiretap instead of going to therapy. Um, make sure that you give us five stars and a review on all of the podcast apps out there, five stars on Spotify and all that shit, so that people know about it. And tell your friends, right? Because mm-hmm. we want we want your friends to listen to us, too. And so their that you friends. Guys yeah, that way you grow grow closer as friends. Yeah, we're That's building what, community, fun and community. We're trying to build a community. Also, here is just a quick shout out for an event you can go to on Thursday, September 22nd in Quad Cinema in New York City. There will be a screening of a short film that I was in. Uh, oh, wow. List- yeah, listener. I hope it's uh, really short. It is. It is short. It's uh, it's like I think twenty minutes long. Uh, listener and uh, friend Colin Cornfind. Uh, he is longtime listener of the Frat and of course of Pod Yourself a Gun. And he, uh, yeah, he casted me to play a uh, ayahuasca demon named Kevin. Hmm. Um, and Sounds he's cool. doing a preview screening for friends and family and everything. And. Uh, yeah, I would like people to show up. It's a free screening. All you got to do is show up, uh, and it's at 7.30, Thursday, September 22nd, 7.30 p.m., Quad Cinema. Please go see What a Trip. It's a wonderful film in which I play a demon. All right. So today, Vince and I and a very special guest will be talking about, from season one, episode three of The Wire, The Buys, which uh, premiered on June 16th, 2002. A landmark in bisexual visibility. Nope, Uh, not what it is. Okay, no, the other kind? Yeah. (laughs) It's about The Buys? No, it's about uh, The Buys as in buy bust. It's when you buy (laughs) drugs and then you, you bust later. We're not talking about busting right now. Um, our guest today 
You know him from Conan, and you know him from the podcast Out for Smokes. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Mike Racine. Hello. Nice to be here. Nice to have you uh, back on one of our fucking rewatch podcasts, man. Yeah, so you finished uh, Sopranos, I guess, huh? We finished it. It, it was. It's all done. There's no nice. more episodes to talk about, so we're like, well, what's next? And we're yeah. like, you know, you know what's a good show? Yeah. The Wire. Yeah, I wonder Unless, what's next after the wire. I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> Downton Abbey. If I have it my way, mm, mm. okay, we'll have to discuss that okay. one. I do like Downton That's Abbey. Big, I'm not gonna lie, it's such a good show. It's like one of those shows that you would immediately expect everyone to be like Downton Abbey. I'm not gonna watch that shit just so I can mm. listen to your podcast. But mm. I implore people watch Downton Abbey. You will be like, oh fuck, I need a podcast. No, I about think this. it's the first uh, like masterpiece theater type British show that doesn't look like it was filmed on like someone's cousin's camcorder, and therefore <laughs> like it, it, like you realize how good British shows could have been all along if somebody gave a shit about production values at if all. One right. guy had a good camera. Yeah, just one. It's like an island filled of ugly people and people who don't know how to like buy good cameras it's very strange but but the writing is fantastic the acting is fantastic yeah. and it's uh it's a great show but not as good as the wire no right guys no yeah so mike do you like the wire i do yeah i watched uh this season i watched season one when i was in high school and then it's one of those shows i've just kind of like slowly made my way through i still haven't seen season five. Oh but, uh, yeah but it's cool but i've heard mixed things about season five no nah, it's so. good they're all good i don't yeah, yeah, I yeah. season five is one. Um, yeah, I I also heard mixed things before I even watched it. Someone was like, it goes a little off the rails in season five. Mm-hmm. And um, Wait, is that the newspaper? Like, is that the newspaper one? It's a newspaper yeah, one. So it's the one great. with the uh, the serial killer and whatnot. Um, Just the like shady uh, the guy who talks about the D- Dickensian aspect. I forget what that reporter's name is, but uh, Gus. Yeah, that that piece of shit makes the whole season for me. Oh, 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 you mean Scott, Scott yes, Templeton, Scott the Templeton, one, the, yes. the, the, there's like a journalist who lies and does fake news, which I think is awesome. And, uh, mm-hmm. there's like, uh, McNulty basically in order to stop, uh, all the like drug killings that no one gives well, a shit about. Spoil he the just, whole season for him. Okay. All right. I'm not going to spoil it. Just know that I'm there's a piece of shit named Scott I mean, Templeton. It's a 20 year old show. That's I, what <laughs> I think. It's a 20 year old show. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil it for people like, you know, too far in the, but I feel like, yeah, I don't well, know. Ian man. Fidance is watching Sopranos right now and he's like, no spoilers. I don't want to know what happens. <laughs> and it's, it's just silly to be like, don't spoil a 20 year old show for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, especially all the episodes are out. If mm-hmm. it, it, you can't say that for longer than a month, binge yeah. it. Like, yeah. what the fuck? You should have some of it spoiled for you because. Oh, yeah. And that that should that'll make you if, 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 if you can have some of the show spoiled, and you still watch it. That's well, also, yeah, like show. at a certain point, if you haven't watched it yet, each of those spoilers is just like an additional kick in the ass to go watch the show. Like they're like they, yeah. those are teasers and you got to, you know, you got to tease more and more for the people who uh, haven't watched yet. So, you know, yeah. And it's not a fucking Shyamalan film. It's not like there's a surprise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think like HBO kind of did a little bit invent the we're going to kill a main character thing and that's what's going to keep you going is not knowing mm-hmm. who who can die but like right. at a certain point you know you're just like okay i've accepted the fact that anyone can die 
if someone yeah. gets killed that I like, it's not really a surprise mm -hmm. as much as it is well, like except Jon yeah. Snow. He's not gonna he's gonna come back. Yeah, sometimes you come back to life. That's right. Um, because in, in season three they kill a pretty big character and it's like he gets cornered by the two of his like enemies. Right. I don't know if I now I'm trying not to spoil the show. No, I'm, no, I'm no. Gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna spoil it. But uh, he gets and you're like, oh, how's he gonna get out of this? And they just murder him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess it is like it's interesting to go into a show completely blind the way I think it's that's the way it's intended. But mm -hmm. if that in any way ruins this show especially the wire for you yeah, 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 then i feel yeah. like you're not really enjoying what's good about the wire right. like what's good about the wire <laughs> isn't like yeah. what's good about fucking uh you know the, the game of thrones or some shit like right. yeah like, if it what you should really be looking at is not the deaths but all the like bureaucracy and all of the bad haircuts yeah. you know yeah, like yeah. that's a fun for that's the whole what family makes the bad accents yeah yeah shitty accents that's what my nine-year-old stepson he's always like you know i want to see something that has more bureaucracy more yes. bad <laughs> yeah. accents more machinations yeah. of a failed uh, city you know i want to see some long and plotting conflicts mm -hmm. that are systemic and never resolved some that's wheezy excessively depicted sex between people who are like kind of hot but <laughs> but like not not, not hot like enough tens. not hot enough that you're like well i definitely need to see this mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. but just hot enough that you're like well i don't mind see that's <laughs> yeah. i think that's my sexuality <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when someone's too hot, I don't I don't really get that horny when someone's like excessively hot. 100%. You know. 100%. Yeah. You want them I want them to look like real people. Ronda it's Perlman hot, it's hotter is if they have like hot. a couple hot yeah. things about them and then like a couple like Oh, Ronda Perlman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple She's really ugly hot. things about them so that you feel dirt you like you're horny for them mm -hmm. but you feel a little bit dirty about it. That's the way yeah, it should be. I I've, at this point don't even watch well-produced porn anymore like yeah. I, I i i saw one recently that was like <laughs> shot in a car um which and, and it felt like it was shot on someone's phone that was just being held up mm -hmm. and she the woman who was getting fucked uh she had two different socks on <laughs> and I was like, that's the hottest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. that's that is the realest shit. Just like unmatched socks having sex in the back of a car is that's real, dude. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. real. That's it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm getting a little horny. Who do you about... think who do you think was the hottest just to sidetrack a little bit? Who do you think was the hottest woman in Sopranos? Oh God. Mm, there was a few like I mean I think mine I, is Charmaine Bucco. Yeah, Charmaine yeah, is definitely one. up there. She's I mean, you know, she, like this she's is, got a, a very Italian face. No offense, no offense to anybody, yeah. but hey, hey, a she little, does. Yeah. A little too Italian. Um, but a little too Italian. You know, I, I think for, I, this for is me maybe the hottest... shitting on our point, but I mean, Julianne Margulies in the Sopranos was uh pretty oh, yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was. You know, she's she could have been she, uglier. She could have been a little uglier. Would have yeah. been nice. Yeah, she she's also too Italian, but in a beautiful way. Um, I think the hottest one was uh, the stripper that Ralphie kills. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I thought she was really. She was just uh, because I I like that she also baked. That was mm, yeah, it's kind of hot. Oh yeah, she made bread for Tony. Yeah, she made him bread. I mean, you know, yeah. that's I like. Uh, I don't know skills. And why does he turn it down? He's like, I can't bring that home to my family or <laughs> some <laughs> weird reason. Yeah, for some reason he like. 
it's like for for once in his life he's like this is one stripper i'm not gonna fuck i think yeah. it was because he's he, like i need to assert boundaries uh in my yeah, yeah, uh, position yeah. as the head of the strip club yeah. yeah it's the first time where i was just like come on man just <laughs> just do it yeah. she's like she's really trying here you know you're if making he her feel bad yeah and if he would have uh you know made him his Gumar, like maybe Ralphie doesn't beat her to death in the parking lot with the That's with a chain. very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. He could have saved her he life. Could have saved her. Yeah. Dude, it's like that Phil Collins song. Uh the theme from Tarzan. How to save a life. Oh, that yeah, one. that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but this is not a Sopranos podcast. No. Sorry, Th- sorry. This is a The Wire podcast. And we of course cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song. The wire. You gotta keep the devil. Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, today, once again, we're going to be talking about from episode one of The Wire. Oh, it's from season one of The Wire, episode three, The Buys. Uh, And Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I sure can. Let me read this official synopsis that Matt Lieb definitely did not write himself. Mm -hmm. McNulty puts his grubby little wiener inside Rhonda Perlman. Also, Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Barksdale teaches his underlings chess while the police teach their underlings checkers. Mm-hmm, that's, that's right. Yeah, you, you got some poetry in there. That's that's nice. Yeah, I had like a little bit. I had like a good one, but I was like, well, I gotta mention McNulty's grubby little wiener. Um, and this episode uh, premiered June sixteenth, two thousand and two. What was happening at the time that this episode came out, Vince? Yeah, I think what you're trying to say is that uh, when we evaluate any piece of art, we need to understand its uh, cultural context, and Absolutely. to put some of that back in, we go to the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. As you all know, the news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. And the internet is a free source of news and opinions. The machine tells the tale, son. Hmm. That's right. Uh, We're going all the way back to June 16th, 2002. Um... We had a lot of news stories that were very relevant to our uh, subject wire uh, subject subject matter of this week's The Wire, um, mm-hmm. starting with from uh, the New York Times. Records show an FBI focus on terrorism. Uh, wow! Yeah, yep. justice That's like de- cut straight from the episode. Mm-hmm. Justice Department data released yesterday show that the Federal Bureau of Investigation's focus on terrorism has produced a surge in cases classified as terrorism and a decline, at least temporarily, in the prosecution of more traditional federal crimes like drug trafficking, bank robbery, and bank fraud. Mm. It's kind of crazy that bank robbery still happened. And uh-huh. still happens now. I know. You got to respect it. Um, yeah. It's like a throwback crime, you know? like It was a bad time to be a terrorist. 
Yeah. <laughs> because they were yeah. really cracking That's, down on you. It was the worst time, I think. Mm-hmm. Everything before 9-11 was a pretty sick time to be a terrorist because you could kind of mm-hmm. just... Mm-hmm. You know, people will be like, damn, that's Kinda crazy. You live your life. Yeah. You live your life and then live your death yeah. and then like no one's like going to fucking fuck with your family or whatever. But Carlos now, the everyone... Jackal, everybody liked him. They yeah. thought he was cool. They gave him a cool nickname. You know? Yeah, yeah. terrorists actually, you know, for a while there, I feel like America was like, oh, that's crazy, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like ever then 9-11 happened and everyone all of a sudden were anti, were against terrorism it's yeah. fucking bullshit really yeah. um yeah it's like whenever things go mainstream man i feel like people just there's always people always turn on it yeah it's fucked up but the data show that many of the 945 terrorism cases referred by the fbi and other federal agencies since september 11th involved minor charges over false documents or immigration rules and that united states attorneys had declined to prosecute half of the cases Jesus Christ! That's so. But like, what they're like giving parking tickets, classifying it as terrorism. Yeah, I mean, he looked at Middle Eastern. Um, yeah. Similar. This one is a little uh, more tangential, but also important to the culture that's happening uh, sure. around this time. Bush to formalize a defense policy of hitting first. Hmm. Uh, Will he? <laughs> <laughs> President Bush has directed his top national security aides to make a doctrine of preemptive action against states and terrorist groups trying to develop weapons of mass destruction into the foundation of a new national security strategy. Uh, Iraq is clearly first on the target list for such action, and already the Central Intelligence Agency and the Defense Department have stepped up efforts to unseat Saddam Hussein in a last effort to avoid the necessity of a full-scale invasion. Mm, Yes, I'm sure that was... Yeah, no, we really don't. We don't want to have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Why it's the See, why my, you're hitting yourself rule. My theory about 9/11 is that like I like I feel like Osama bin Laden probably didn't think that the buildings were going to collapse. He probably just wanted to fly some planes into them. Right, yeah. And then so I bet when they collapsed he was like, "Holy shit. Oh, I'm in could, trouble." Yeah. yeah, yeah oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Shit. Oh fuck. He was just, oh, fu- oh dude, dude, it was a prank, bro. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fucking hey, dude. I like I literally mean, we just wanted to visit the top of the building and mm-hmm. just kind of like go there's a gift shop there. Fuck. Yeah, Cuz they weren't supposed to. And then but then if you could tell him now that we're still taking our shoes off at the airport, you know? Yeah. He'd be like, "Oh, I, I won." I want. I fucking won. Wow, crazy. Yeah. yeah. He watches like loose change, and it's just like there's definitely some thermite in there. Well, he I, was. I didn't do that. He was. He's pulling. like that wasn't me. That wasn't the, me. The dude. thing collapsing wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Every, the, flying the planes. Yeah, but that's normal. He's pulling yeah. a Daniels. He just wants to dip his toe into like busting the Barksdale crew. But before he knows it, he's all the way in. They, yeah, you know they got wires set up. They're they're all the way into the towers. His boss is mad, aka the Saudi government. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, and one last story. Uh, this one goes back to maybe our previous series, but uh, it was actually this was the this was a day after uh, John Gotti's funeral. Uh, oh yeah. shit! R.I.P. Yeah, Gotti what did he die of again. Uh, Gotti goes to Underworld. Fans mm. of Dead Dawn mob his burial rites in Queens. Uh, <laughs> Dapper Don, John Gotti got a clapping, cheering. Sorry, I thought they were going to tell us how he died. Uh, oh, yeah. He died in a hospital in Springfield, Missouri at age 61 on Monday after battling cancer for four years. Oh, um, He got a clapping, cheering, and weeping send-off yesterday from wise guys, wannabes, and ordinary fellas who filled the streets as the outlaw hero took his final ride. Yeah, that was like the, the final like sequence in the movie Gotti. 
where everyone was like, hey, in this neighborhood, he's a hero. We every <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, that was the best part of that whole movie. It really was. That was yeah. like, it was that should have just been yeah. the movie. Yeah, that should have been. <laughs> uh, goodbye, John. Goodbye, John, screamed dozens of weeping mourners who banged on the windows of Gotti's hearse when it stopped at one of his old haunts, the Bergen <laughs> Hunt and Fish Club in Ozone Park, Queens. People ran after the car as it sped off. John Gotti will live forever, forever, read a huge banner unfurled on a Long Island Railroad bridge nearby. Uh, I hope John Travolta plays him in the movie. <laughs> when that comes out, I'll be like, yeah, that was a manly man, that John. That Eight, John. <laughs> yeah. well, we all need something to believe in, you know? Yeah, for sure. Eight pallbearers then carried his bronze casket into a pearl gray hearse. In front of the hearse were 20 limousines carrying spectacular displays of flowers, including a racehorse, cards in a royal flush, a huge brown cigar, and a martini glass with olives. God, it's just uh, so tacky. <laughs> I love the tackiness of the mob funeral, uh, like in real life, is just a. Uh, it's like a sight to behold. It reminds me of like when you see um, cartel funerals that like you'll see pictures sometimes and it's just like the entire flower arrangement is just an AK-47 and they like <laughs> yeah. embalm the guy in his long shorts and there was an the, episode of the wire when they did that that's the right like, yeah, let me show you in the back yeah and they all the special arrangements for like gang members that, that's uh, right yeah, that's yeah. right they did it there too I I love it man gang gang funerals I think that's that's the reason I would want to join a gang so I could have a really fun funeral. <laughs> mm-hmm. Behind the hearse were 21 limousines, uh, so that makes 41 total, for family and friends. And behind those Jeez. two were dozens of other vehicles, bringing the total to about 100. Damn. He's the last of the old-time gangsters, said Frank Savino, 46, who was standing outside the funeral home when the procession began to move. He treated the neighborhood good. What he did for a living is his business. Uh, Millie Russo, another onlooker, agreed, saying, I don't see anything wrong with the man. He didn't harm people. He went after people in his own business. I mean, he maxed out my credit card in 1988, but other than that, it was fine. Uh, he was very charismatic. He lent me $200 in 1981, <laughs> and now I still owe him 20 grand. <laughs> the VIG was only 20 And he helped me when I needed it. He helped me. I was down on my luck. Yeah. He was very charismatic, a man who always dressed well and always was a real gentleman, said Gina Zadubera. His life of- Now they're just making stuff up. He was the, the, His whole thing was not being a gentleman. That was his, his, like, he looked, like, good, but he was, like, a, he was, he was an asshole, famously. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. But I guess there's a reason why we know, why we know his name and not, true. like, other, you know. Yeah, other, yeah, because he was bad at doing crimes. He was very, very public and uh, did. Yeah, yeah, he got in. Tr- he got in trouble for crimes a lot. Was the problem, but <laughs> mm-hmm. he also he loved. You know, he liked to be the, in the media and stuff. Was and, he? Was he an asshole? Yeah, I yeah. Little, I mean, yeah. he like. I think he murdered a boss, right? I mean, yeah. I think that was the whole yeah. the whole way that crew began was he just like shot a shot all the bosses at the time. I think. Yeah, yeah. He killed Paul Castellano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, exactly. And uh, I feel like um, I don't know. The gentlemanly thing to do is not to kill the boss. Yeah, yeah. For everybody yeah. listening, that's that is our position, official position. Yes. Of pod yourself the wire. Well, yeah. I mean, although I guess 
the wire is a show about wanting to kill your boss though mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's also there's there's footage of him on like some wiretap and he's like you tell him that me john Gotti, will sever his fucking head off <laughs> <laughs> he's like threatening to cut somebody's head off john Gotti of sound mind <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my god here's yeah. today's newspaper that i'm holding up <laughs> April 15th, 1992, tax yeah. day. I will not be paying taxes. <laughs> but maybe that's why we like him, because he was like kind of a fucking idiot who just like stumbled into the this big position. Oh, yeah. Those I mean, are my he, favorite mob yeah. guys. He fulfilled yeah. our ideas of what like a mob guy should be based on movies, which was also like his yeah. reason for acting the way he did, right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's why we love Trump, right, boys? Mm-hmm. It's why that's we right. love him, dude. He's like yeah. he's like the president from the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's been the back in the day machine. I think you okay. guys have enough context now, right? You do. Yeah, feel, we know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, do you feel culturally contextualized? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's talk about this episode. Uh, no more side locks. Say say goodbye to side locks and hello to sidearms. Yeah. I can't believe they didn't put that in there. I mean, that would have been. I know. Yeah. Hey, you should have worked for the post. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about it. The buys, episode three. Uh, what are our general thoughts of this episode, Vince? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the general, the great episode, by the way. I think the mm-hmm. thrust. This episode, written by David Simon. Um, I think this episode is. It's about how the system mostly rewards sociopaths and uh, oh, yeah. and people that are very ambitious and that having a conscience or integrity and the capacity for introspection tend to be uh, a hindrance in the corporate environment. Yeah. Because, I right. mean, everybody that has a conscience in this episode, basically, uh, you can you can sense them about to get fucked. Like, D'Angelo, totally. uh, Bubbles, mm. uh, McNulty. Yeah. Like, they're not going to rise up high in their respective organizations. They shoot themselves in the foot throughout uh, this episode and also throughout, you know, the, the full season uh, in order to, like... I don't know, fit an ideal that they have of themselves in their own mind um, and uh, would, you know, rather rather chase that than actually like chase a uh, then then do good at their job, I guess, is is what it is or or then advance at their job. So like D'Angelo is he's he's weak. He's like someone who doesn't uh, fucking understand why violence needs to happen and i think in any other circumstance he would have been a cop yeah he's uh his uncle hadn't been avon they all got a little bit of ned stark in them where they want to believe in these like uh ideals of honor and uh and that things could be better they're idealists and they're um they're not maybe cut out for the whole dog eat dog part that uh keeps them alive mike what did you think of this episode I loved it. I mean, I I watched it when I was in. I haven't seen it since I was in high school, so it's cool to experience it when I'm like a little bit smarter, you know, and just know more, <laughs> more about know stuff. More things, more about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no more. I know a little more about business. Now, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You know yeah. what a boob feels um, like and what money. It, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know more about sex. I've had sex. <laughs> Yo, all you know, right. Since okay. watching this show. Yeah, yeah. lucky you. Um, <laughs> Is this a first on yeah. Pod Yourself the Wire? Yeah, what? this is the first time we've had a guest who's had sex. Who's had sex? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, everyone else is a fucking virgin, dude. Nice. Yeah. Um, cool. It's an honor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like I like that D'Angelo's trying to be like a uh, like a drug dealer with integrity. He's like, why mm-hmm. do we have to be mean to them? You know. Yeah. 
And yeah. then he like doesn't like. He's like, why can't we? Why can't we give them better heroin? Why do we have to give them? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's he's like laboring yeah. under the uh, delusion that the invisible hand of the market rewards those who like respect the laws of supply and demand and like good yeah. customer service. And 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 Stringer's immediately like, yeah, no, no, that's not that's not what matters. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting actually about the scene you're talking about is like I feel like that uh, also applies to podcast economics mm-hmm. um and uh l- i'll just let me just uh play a, a clip of that scene well, we'd be doing even better when we get that new podcast <laughs> new podcast same as old man just gonna put that same shit out in a different color jail cap is all people already coming back on us telling us to slop is weak i know slop is weak but you know the thing is no matter what we call the frock cast it's gonna get sold sit is strong we're gonna set it Shit is weak. We gonna sell twice as much. You know why? Cause if Piggy, we gonna chase that shit no matter what. <laughs> we do worse, and we get paid more. Right here, D. It's forever. I feel like that's uh, that's true of many businesses, but uh, particularly podcasting. I mean, it's just like. You know, this is just our Sopranos podcast, but about the wire now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. The, the fiends are going to chase it no matter what. And I, right. I feel like I feel like that is uh, the general like truth of America is is that uh, consumers will consume because it is their it is what their duty is mm-hmm. and it is what their identity is. People uh, need and- treats. People need their yeah. treats, whether it's heroin or podcasts. And uh, Stringer understands that the piggies are going to eat the slop no matter what the slop is. But like D'Angelo is, he's like me when we first started the Sopranos podcast. And I was just like, nah, but people want like production value. They want stings, you know, they, they, they want fucking songs. And Vince, you're like Stringer. You were just like... Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just we could do out. none of Hit the yeah. upload button. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Don't even put a theme song in there. Just, just upload that shit straight into the, into the ears of the pigs. Don't edit it. Keep, keep the, the part where you went to the bathroom. Just keep that in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a three minute break or your three minute shit. breaks you hear another conversation <laughs> happening the cat jumps up you just hear it sniffing the mic yeah, yeah. man because the you know the people want it no matter mm-hmm. what it is uh yeah and uh yeah. I, I don't know in my general thoughts of this episode i've started to realize the show has started reminding me of the show Fuckboy Island. Um, okay. Have you okay, seen go it? On. Does, it could be Fuckboy Island. It could be, I think, any like dating reality show. Oh, I okay, have seen so Fuckboy Island. You get three episodes into Fuckboy Island and you kind of realize like this is the same episode over and over and over again. Like it's just the same conflict. I really love our connection, but I'm not sure if he's a fuckboy or not. Like literally they will say that at every 30 minutes in the show and in every episode and it's like the problem is systemic it's the same thing with what it's like the the guys on fuckboy island are sociopaths and the girls have low self-esteem and it's like the same with the wire it's like you see throughout this episode and throughout all the seasons the same conflict over and over and over again and it's what makes the show i think feel like 
like a documentary more so than a standard TV show is that like in real life you don't learn anything. Like you like the mm. in TV it's like uh, every episode whatever conflict happened resolves. And within that resolution it's just kind of like okay, I won't make that mistake again. But the wire spends five seasons being like here here is why people are going to continue to make the same mistake over right because like this is the third episode now and i realize the plot lines are essentially the same as they were in the first two and that that being like the conflict is mcnulty wants to do the police work nobody else is letting him do the police work and every episode there might be a different reason why they're not letting them do the police work but it is the same Right, uh, general conflict and also, in every episode. David Simon is continuing to just put, uh, like he's making this incredible show that's sort of like no other show that we've seen up until this point, but he is still putting in those old school tropes and shit in there. Like he's doing chess as a metaphor in the middle, right. like right as like a centerpiece scene in the show. And that, I mean, like every corny action movie, there's going to be like a chess someone the the bad guys explaining what how chess works and they're playing a a dangerous game of chess um right and he does it here but it, it somehow works just because he's applied it to uh groups that we haven't seen um like explored in this grade of detail yeah i mean i think what's great about the chess scene is that it functions in opposition to um what's happening with the police uh it's like really it is realizing that the police are playing checkers like this episode uh burrell is still trying to shut down the detail and he's forcing them to do these raids um based on like like information that they get that has not in implicated anyone who's high up in the Barksdale organization. It's all just like hoppers. You see them at the end of this episode, like busting down a door that was a stash house maybe the day before, uh, but <laughs> is not is no longer a stash house. And you realize like, oh, I see. Like <laughs> these guys are playing checkers. They're 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 not uh, they're not trying to do the long game because there's no real incentive to do it. And right. uh, that's a much more nuanced point, I think, than like most fucking action movies where it's like explaining what chess is yeah know? most i mean most drug shows most action movies you would have the mcnulty character who's like a little bit smarter than the other cops and he would always win in the end and this right. is like no it doesn't really happen yeah he takes a lot of l's throughout the, the <laughs> yeah. series right oh yeah it's almost nothing but l's you know who's also hot the lady from harbor patrol in the in the second season oh yeah oh yeah amy uh what's her name Amy Ryan, I think. Amy Good Ryan. Right now, though. Yeah, she's always like she's mm, she's on some like mature lady hotness. Yeah. Oh, where yeah. you're just like she's a freak in the sack, but also I don't know. I feel like we could talk for a while. <laughs> you know, right. just uh -huh. how, like, what else what makes you horny, was. Matt? A lot of things, man. <laughs> Beatty Russell was the character's name. Beatty yeah. Russell, yeah. yeah. So we open this week's cold open. The testers are late uh, and fiends are they are walking around fiending testers, by the way, um, uh, for those of you who don't know. So this is we're going to do a little bit of Balmerisms. Balmerisms, say this phrase out loud. Earn, earn, and earn, earn. Aaron, earn, and iron, earn. Damn, what the fuck? We really talk like that? Yeah. 
Balmerisms. But uh, testers are exactly what they sound like. It's literally a little bit of free drugs. Yeah. Like I, I mean, Costco that's kind of sample. Thing. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I had no idea that the drug market worked like Costco and Trader yeah. Joe's, and it kind of impresses me that they had that level of uh, of uh, corporatism and sophistication. Kind of makes me mad because I feel like at the entire time when I was a drug addict, that that was not you just a weren't thing. Invited to be a tester. I know it sucks. So I totally would have signed up to be a tester. Um, <laughs> the I way the testers work is you and your buddy shoot up, and uh, if your if your buddy dies of a of, of some sort of hot shot, you're like, okay, well, I don't want to buy this heroin. You're this like, is... okay, so that one's a little too strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I no. got some feedback for you. It's like a Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs> it's the libertarian ideal of letting the market decide, you know. That's right. right. Yeah. The, sometimes the invisible hand of the free market ODs and then dies. Mm-hmm. And then you uh, you try again. But yeah, uh, all the fiends are fiending um, and asking Bodhi. And like we talked about, uh, D'Angelo kind of scolds Bodie for not treating them with respect. And he does this thing... Um, where he is directly quoting McNulty from the previous episode, kind of like um, like Tony Soprano would do with his therapist, yeah, or he, Tim would it, do yeah. with uh, uh, his neighbor on uh, on Home Improvement. You know, on he Home would, Improvement, he would hear yeah. some philosopher's quote that the fence guy told him, and then he would fuck it up later in the episode. Right? Yeah. Nigga, it ain't even nine o'clock, and you fiending on it. Get the fuck out of here, man. So you're just gonna take his money all day and cheat him like a dog? Oh, what? The customer's always right? <laughs> Yo, we in the projects. Can't get these niggas shits, man. Why not? Shit, anything else in the world gets sold without people taking advantage? Everything else in this country gets sold without people shooting each other behind it. Killing each other. Doing each other like dogs. And without all that, you ain't got five down here on our backs every five minutes. That's what they be down here about. The bodies. I'm here about the bodies. <laughs> I like the idealism of D'Angelo here. Yeah. You know? And Bodhi gives him this look. I don't know. It's like pity where mm-hmm. he's just like, this guy's living in a complete fucking dream world and he's going to get his ass killed because of it. Because he's he's like grappling with some shit as if he has never sold drugs before. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't been around this life <laughs> since he was a kid. He is kind of like, you know... Hey, you guys ever thought maybe it'd be sick if like we could just sell this and like everything was chill? And I'm sure like every kid in the hood has been like, yeah, that'd be dope. That would be <laughs> that would be great if that were the case. But it's it's not now, nor has it ever been the case. He's also meanwhile he's like kind of a the kind of manager that you would hope to have because he he tolerates a certain amount of insubordination coming from Bodie that I feel like a lot of uh, managers would not like they'd be keen to assert the, their authority and, and be like, no, yeah. you got to talk to me a certain way. But he lets, uh, he lets Bodie kind of shit on him while, you know, slowly like trying to deliver lessons to him. I think he's just like, he, he is just, um, I keep saying the word weak and I, and I, I don't mean to, you know, like flatten the entire character as just like, oh yeah, D'Angelo, the famous bitch of the wire. <laughs> right. No, but his like, problem is he's like trying to be the nice guy that we're all taught to be as right. kids without realizing that that is not 
uh, that's going to get him killed. Well, he doesn't like confrontation. He doesn't like, you know, we open the entire series with he's on trial because he shot a guy who just beat him up. Like, it yeah. wasn't, he shot someone who he could have just like fought back with his fist, but he went straight to shooting him because he, you know, he can't control his emotions because he's someone who's not built in the same way that I think a lot of people are. Some people can take a beating and some people cry. And mm. I, he's like me if I were, if my uncle was a fucking drug dealer. Like that that's exactly how I would be acting. I, I'm, I'm too weak for that game too. So I, f I feel for him. Yeah, um, same. So at that point, Bubbles shows up and does the hat trick uh, in which he like puts hats on everybody and you get to see Kima surreptitiously taking photos, which I think is really fucking funny because she mostly takes blurry photos. <laughs> it's like one of those like details in the show where they're like, yeah, most of these are unusable and you see her just struggling with the focus. It's uh, it's subtle, but it's great. It's not what she trained for, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, that's not something they teach you in the academy, I don't think. And the next scene, we got Daniels and uh, all of these majors meeting with Burrell to talk about, in the previous episode, uh, Officer Prezbaluski uh, blinds a kid by cold cocking him with the butt of his pistol. And um, Burrell's, you know, tells Daniels basically, like, to rethink field interviews at 2 a.m. And Daniels just, in this scene, he just kind of eats it. Like, he, he knows yeah. that... Can we also talk about, like, Valchek? I mean, the thing about this show is that, uh, like, it all feels very authentic. Um, and then when you get a character who is uh, who is actually, like, authentically uh, from Baltimore, it's like everyone else immediately pales in comparison. Yes. And that's kind of like, like, Valchek shows up and you're like, oh, like, that is what a real fucking Baltimore civil servant would be like. <laughs> Like he's just got that face. I mean, he reminds me of my grand, my grandfather. Like he's got that yeah. sort of like just sweaty, like greasy, stringy haired, and like <laughs> just certain kind of wrinkles that you get from like smoking and drinking a lot of coffee for like fifty years. And yeah, he's uh, not like a classically trained actor. He's just a guy they found at the Seven Eleven. <laughs> I tried to figure out what like there. I tried to find an interview with him, and I couldn't find any. But I did find like his uh, like his own like personally made website and like his IMDb oh, bio, yeah. and uh, like his IMDb bio is actually one of my favorite things ever. And he linked to it on his own website, so clearly he's he's proud of it. And his IMDb bio just reads. Al Brown is an actor known for The Wire, 2002, Commander in Chief, 2005, and Fartcopter, 2014. Uh, Fartcopter? Fartcopter. Those are his three. His he was three. in Fartcopter. What is Fartcopter? I, I don't know. I haven't looked it up yet. I'm assuming it's a movie about a farting helicopter. You'll or never something. power that helicopter with just farts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're crazy. You're going to go over We're the hill farm. there with your farts, and it's not going to work. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's clearly from the, uh, the, the Pennsylvania, Maryland area. He mm -hmm. apparently like, according to his, his LinkedIn page, he was, he was a director on his LinkedIn. He was a public affairs officer in the Pennsylvania air national guard for 17 years. Oh um, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's a real guy. Like I, you, cause you, you do see that on the show where you're just like, I know I'm seeing a real guy because yeah, he just immediately smacks of real guy. Like this. Instant right. It's, it's like his, his face, the way he talks, everything about it is too distinctive to be acting. And, yeah, at uh, least now, like I could see him 
in like the Humphrey Bogart days, like he could have been uh, a character a, actor. A character actor, but now it's just like, oh yeah, people don't really look like this anymore. It's like when you when I watch old Looney Tunes, and it's probably my favorite thing about Looney Tunes is just uh, Mel Blanc. He does he does these accents that are just extinct accents, like these thing, like these yeah. very specific types of people from like Brooklyn and Queens, and this these shit yeah. that, that Mel Blanc clearly heard growing up and like that's kind of what al brown's face uh evokes for me in the wire sure and his accent you know mel blank he also does um fake japanese accent (laughs) but it's racist and and it's no longer appropriate for for television but But what a talent yeah, I'm glad he's dead, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oof, if he wasn't dead, I'd have canceled his ass to death long ago. Um, but yeah, it's a, he's a... I don't want to say he's like, oh, he's such a great actor, but his scenes are just... He's so magnetic, and Al Brown it's, is. It's hilarious because like at one point, one of the other... Uh, I think Santangelo refers to Daniels as that lizard, like the lizard over in Narcotics. <laughs> And because, you know, like Daniels does look you like look a lizard. like a lizard. He's and, got lizardish qualities. And and then you got uh you got Valchek who looks more like a weasel than any human has ever looked. Like he's right. he's got like a like a weasel mongoose look to him. Yeah, if he had two very long incisors and like long nails and a kind of a a, a, a hairless tail, you'd be like, Oh yeah, 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 I got it. Like he looks he looks rat-like to me, which... Yeah. Uh, so then it creates this tension in the scene where you, it's like watching a lizard and a weasel like have this uh, dance where they're trying to fuck each other up, and it's pretty wonderful. Yeah, yeah it is. It's uh, That is crazy because <laughs> it is Valchek versus, versus Daniels is very uh, Cobra versus Mongoose, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you just want to see him fight. He's like, Officer Prince Belusky shouldn't be on the street. And he's like, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> it's I like know two he's different a piece like of schools shit. of acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a, a, a clip of that scene. I tell you, yes, I screwed up. I tell you, no, I'm putting my men in the jackpot. Do you still want me to answer? I screwed up, sir. It's a good man that's willing to take one for the company. I'm defending my own people here. That's all. What Major Valtek means to say is that he's grateful that you extended your support on behalf of Officer Presbelewski. Fuck up that he is. I, I love that Valchek 100% realizes what a horrible police officer Presbelewski is. And Presbelewski like, is his son-in-law? Yeah. He's his son-in-law. Yeah, married his daughter. And, um, you know, he's trying to... He's basically trying to, like, get him on the quick path to officer's pay uh, or whatever version of that major's pay, I guess. Like, he wants him to go up the ranks quickly so he can do what Valchek does, which is sit at a desk and uh, pull the strings within, like, the Baltimore Democratic Party or whatever the fucking... Whatever his non-job job is. It's the... Uh, it's like the Catholic American dream... Catholic American, uh, their dream is to have, you know, that good, solid union job where uh, you can manage your own fiefdom, where you just got, you know, you got... You got underlings. You got a good, solid uh, laborer's job mm-hmm. that you can eventually uh, be in a position of power with. Yeah, and he's trying to. Yeah, yeah he wants that for Presbo. I just, ah, God, every time I look at him, I just see 
like one of my yeah, I see like the Polish version of one of my great uncles and it's wonderful. <laughs> but in this scene, um Valchek basically says for kind of like eating this, I owe you one. And he uh he gets some suction. Basically, mm-hmm. Daniels eats a lot to get suction and uh could just go over to Rhonda Perlman's house, you know what I'm saying? Hey, hey. Want a little, a little suction. Hey. Rhonda, I need some suction. <laughs> yeah. I need some Rhonda. suction on this. <laughs> yeah, but like he's he gets basically he's owed a favor by both um Burrell and Valchek and uh you know, for Daniels, who's like kind of likes to play middle of the road, like wants to be the good soldier, um, and but also kind of wants to do good police work. Like this is so a he's kind of taking the blame win. for for Prez Belusky's actions. Essentially, he's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna coach Presbo through this, um, and basically get him off the hook for mm-hmm. um, literally blinding someone for no reason, and um, for that. Valchek is gonna give him some suction, which uh, who doesn't want to get some That's suction? That's all anybody you know? wants in this yeah. world. That's all we want. Um, the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next thing we got Rawls giving a press conference about the murdered witness in which Bunk kind of plays a part of a lackey and is just like, oh, we don't, yeah, yeah we don't know. Could be anybody, right? And, and this is clearly like David Simon's writing here. You you can tell that David Simon has covered uh, a number of bullshit um, say nothing press conferences because yes. just like the the way he writes it is so Perfect. good. Yeah. Pitch perfect in, in, in every aspect. Where they're like, he's like, we know that this, this is definitely not the result of this guy having been a witness. And, <laughs> and the reporters are like, so you know exactly what the motive is, but you don't have a suspect yet. He's like, yes, that's yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. um, and McNulty is kind of pissed about it. He, he's like, shame on your lad, which um, is this weird thing that it's not just this sh- show. It's a lot of, I feel like, I th- this happened to The Departed as well, where there are people who are Irish Americans who will just randomly be like, "I'm doing an Irish accent now," mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't know if anyone actually does a random Irish accent except for us on this podcast. That's right. Um, but uh, then McNulty, Jesus hates it when you lie to the press. And by the way, they're they're lying about the witness because it makes them look bad, right? Right. They didn't protect yes. the witness. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so they're just going to be like, no, no, he got killed for some other reason that mm-hmm. we don't know about. We don't know what the motive was or who the suspect is, but we know what the motive wasn't. Definitively. Yeah, it definitely wasn't our fault, <laughs> um, which is always true. Um, but uh, McNulty realizes they don't even ha- even have a picture of Avon Barksdale yet, and it's he's their number one guy. And uh, he asks uh, the wonderful Polk and Mahone, my two favorite shitty cops uh, so far mm-hmm. in the series, uh, to try to get a picture of Avon, and just tells them exactly how to do the job that they're supposed to do, and just watching them struggle with the idea of ever having to do actual work is really funny. Hey, Pat. Huh? We've got a job for you guys to try to run down. Need a photo of this guy Barksdale. 
Well, it occurred to me that the housing project began to take photos of every registered resident as a security measure. Am I correct, Detective Greggs? Yeah. So you want us to get out of the housing department and uh, pull this photo? Excellent. You know, you and I, we think as one. We're like two horses together in harness. <laughs> Why don't you fucking do it yourself? <laughs> sure, if you don't mind sitting at my desk reviewing homicide folders, taking meticulous notes, I'll switch with you. Fuck it, Patrick. Let's take a ride. You know, it took a really long time to make that song. <laughs> right. It was great. Thank you. I mean, you know, I just... Um, You're the opposite of Pokemon because they don't want to do any work. And, uh, you know, and then and then McNulty wants to do all the work. And then you, you want to do a lot of work without uh, accomplishing... Anything. Anything, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. My whole thing is just like, like maximum effort uh minimal, minimal effectiveness yeah. <laughs> yeah that's 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 what i'm going for um polk and mahone have to waddle their asses over to try and get a picture of avon barksdale and uh it's of course not going to work out at all um they show back up a few scenes later with a picture of a white man that they say is avon barksdale uh because clearly <laughs> visibly avon, drunk yeah yeah they show up visibly drunk first of all uh, and uh, yeah, Avon is, he's basically cleared any public record of his image, uh, or so he thinks. Um, but uh, in the scene where they're just talking about what they know about Avon, at one point, Kima mentions that he was a, uh, like a Golden Gloves uh, boxer. And then we finally see Detective Freeman, who is sitting there quietly. Making a dollhouse, or whatever <laughs> yeah. shit he does. That's why he's such a good At, character. Like he, they, you know, he's the guy that you think is not listening, but it turns out he is, and uh, he's just waiting for his moment to pounce. Yeah. He's kind of underused, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's definitely someone who would be an asset in any kind of like police force that you know, like gave a shit about f- stopping mm-hmm. crime. Right. Um. Yeah, so uh, Freeman then heads over to a boxing gym and a kid tries to sell him blue tops and then he talks to a guy and when he comes back, he has got a poster uh, with a picture of Avon Barksdale on it and it is clear that uh, this is the first ever picture that we've seen of Avon Barksdale. This is also, I think, it's possible this is the moment that I, in watching the show, realized which guy was Avon (laughs) (laughs) because... Like I said, it took me a few episodes before I was like, oh, that guy's Avon Barks. I thought it was just a name. Because there's something about Avon Barks. He doesn't really look like a drug kingpin in this uh, in this right. show. He doesn't look like an imposing, like a guy you'd be afraid of. I think Stringer does. but Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah Avon, Avon just looks like a guy. He looks like a just basketball guy, player. Yeah. Just kind of like a skinny, skinny bald-headed guy. Um, and also, I don't think at any point, which I love about this show... Uh, at any point, no one is like, hey, what's going on, Avon? And then it's like, nothing, Stringer Bell. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. they don't do the That's thing the where old, they continue. Old, the Ozark yeah. method. Yes. Hey, it's my old cousin, <laughs> yeah. D'Angelo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice that they don't do that, but it also took me like half a season to realize that that was Avon Barksdale. Um, yeah. Yeah. He so, kind of He kind of blends in a lot. Because you don't see him with the money the way you do with Stringer. You know, you don't see right. him uh, in the pit 
are uh, in the towers and the high rises, right. like telling telling different people what to do. You know, it's Stringer is the one who's like, "Hey, you got to work yeah. the pit now." I mean, you or could he's the one say, the money. I mean, you could yeah, say that removed. that Avon is like the king in a chessboard, and that Stringer is kind of like the the queen. You absolutely could say that. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, in this scene, I want credit uh, for Stringer's that. the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stringer is the queen. Uh, essentially, he's the get um, shit done piece. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. He can move any direction, anywhere he wants. Um, yeah, and uh, I have the a clip of that uh, of the aforementioned chess scene. And this over here is the castle. It's like the stash. You move like this, and like this. Dog, stash don't move, man. Come on, yo, think. How many times we moved the stash house this week? What about them little ball-headed bitches right there? These are the pawns. <laughs> they like the soldiers. So how do you get to be the king? It ain't like that. See, the king, stay the king, all right? All right, but if I make it to the end, I'm top dog. The pawns, man, in the game, they get capped quick. They be out the game early. Unless they some smart-ass pawns. I would have picked a different board game if I wrote the show. I'd have been like, the ga- it's called Guess Who. <laughs> you gotta find the person. <laughs> It's operation. Yeah. He's <laughs> just like See, you gotta take this motherfucking bone out of this guy's leg <laughs> and without without hitting the sides. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The so stash like is the like bone. the funny bone. And see the police are like these electrified metal pieces. Right. But Stringer, he's like the lungs. He's always breathing. <laughs> but you gotta not hit the sides. Stringer is Lord Licorice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, But I I like that they never bothered explaining the knight or the bishops because they're like, all right, we get it. Like, we don't need to stretch this. Yeah, no, you can't, right. No, yeah, yeah. It'd be great if they just went through the entire board and Mm -hmm. told you what the knights Mm -hmm. and the bishops do. Um, And I I do realize, I think, that Bodhi is probably my favorite character on this entire, in this entire series. Like, other Mm -hmm. than kind of like your, everyone loves Omar, everyone loves, you know, McNulty or Bunk. Bunk is fucking great. But like, I feel like Bodie has some of the funniest lines in mm-hmm. the series. Well, and- in this scene, he's he's slowly learning that the American dream is not real, that you, you don't get to be the king if you're a pawn. But then right. he's also... He's flipping it where he's like, okay, but I can still live a good life, right? And, and <laughs> Yeah, well, you see, he's basically saying, like, if I live long enough, if I get to the end of the game, can't I become the king? And, you know, he's, he's tr- you know, like, D'Angelo is basically trying to say, you're going to die eventually, which by the, I think is a very, you know, pessimistic way of looking at mm-hmm. the drug game. Um, and I think... Uh, Bodhi is basically saying, you know, I'm I'm just smart enough to survive longer than most of the people on the board. And yeah. uh, I think that's that may or may not bear out. So we let's get to uh, this is the introduction of Detective Sidner. Um, this is the first time we see him. Uh, Sidner shows up to complain about uh, the equipment that they have over at the Baltimore city police. Um, their wires are literally old reel to reels, the <laughs> size of like a VHS tape. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what a Nagra was, which is, that's what they call it. Like, oh, we got Nagras. Yeah. we got Nagras. So I, had to yeah, look, I had to look that up. Um, you know, just a little bit of trivia. 
Uh, Nagra is a brand of portable audio recorders produced from 1951 in Switzerland. Beginning in 1997, a range of new high-end equipment aimed at the audiophile community was introduced. Uh, originally a product of the Kadelski Group. Um, the ma- machines were initially designed by Polish inventor Stefan Kudelski. Uh, his company mm. won numerous technical awards, blah, blah, blah. Nagra means it will record in Polish, Kudelski's mother language. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. That's, uh, we got a little, a little Polish lesson yeah, there in we the go. middle of that. I mean, I just think it's really funny that, uh, they would keep around such old equipment that literally, you know, you could, you would easily get caught and killed wearing one of those wires. Yeah, like but the thickest like wire immediately possible. recognizable to anyone who is like a public servant in a city that doesn't have a ton of money. Like, of course, yes. like you're using a tech. The teachers are probably using a textbook that's printed in like the 70s. Yeah, uh, they're in classrooms that probably still have asbestos in the walls. Like, of course, <laughs> they're not going to have like brand new uh, audio shit. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's pretty great. This is, they're literally blowing dust off of it, which is which is great. Um, with regards to Sidner, he has been taken by Daniels uh, to be a part of the detail because they need someone to um, go undercover with bubbles to do these like buy busts. And uh, there's a great scene where he shows up um, to show off like kind of his uh, junky couture. And he's just like, you know, his ratty jacket and shoes and pants. And uh, and I love that Bubbles kind of gives him a lesson on, uh, you know, what it is to actually like look like a junkie. Yeah, there's a little bit of tension at the beginning of that scene where they're like, can we do this uh, in front of Bubbles? Are we like appropriating yeah. his culture yeah. as our costume here or like, is he going to be yeah. mad? Are we doing black tar face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It is funny, but he's like, I like that. He plays the role of consultant. Uh-huh. He's just like, mm, as your resident junkie here, <laughs> I'll tell you that uh, the shoes are not up to standards. Um, I can't do other accents. Um, but nor should I, you. Yeah, nor should I. Uh, <laughs> but I think I did. I think I did one too. This episode. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We're all. We're, it's a safe space for everyone here. Yeah. To do all their favorite accents. <laughs> um. I, every time I try to do a black accent, I'm just gonna do. Well, I'm an alligator from the south, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's not racist because it's alligator accent. Mm-hmm. That's how alligators so, talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you ain't got no problem with the shoes. Fucked up as they are. You're walking down them alleys of the projects, man. You're stepping on the dead soldiers. You're empty vials. You can't walk down the Baltimore streets without that shit cracking underneath your feet. You want to know if a fiend for real? Check the bottom of his shoes. Have him dance on some empties before we go out there. Get us killed. <laughs> you hurt your feelings? A little bit. That's such a beautiful, like, Rust Belt slice of life. Uh, mm. like that you're going to have broken glass on your shoe. I remember I worked with a guy when I was, uh, who was from Akron when I was fresh out of college. And he's like, yeah, you know, Akron, uh, we always say you fall down, you get cut. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, ah, you know, there's a lot of broken glass. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> Did not know that about Akron, but now I do. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, part of like the local flavor is yeah. um, broken yeah. glass. Broken glass everywhere. No one, uh, yeah, no one knew how to do a lot of Jewish weddings. Broken windows, policing there yet. Sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. I like in this scene. It starts out with, um, you know, Bubbles is like looking him up and down, 
and the first thing he does is go like, what's that? And Cinder's like, that's my wedding ring. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. well, yeah, obviously take that off. You fu- you don't you don't actually need a junkie to tell you to not wear your, your wedding ring right. when you're deep undercover. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this really mm-hmm. weird moment where he's just like, huh? <laughs> and he gets like offended too. Like Sidner is just like, whoa, maybe I should just do drugs, asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, first, stop being defensive, dude. He's just telling you how to look the part. Yeah. So uh, Sidner and Bubbles, they head over to the PJs and uh, start um, a sequence of like, it's like a montage of them buying a bunch of drugs. And for some reason, it opens with like uh, them walking through the pit. And someone is playing the song uh, It Takes Two by uh, Rob Bass and uh, yeah. DJ Easy Rock. You know, the It Takes Two to make anything That's still right. a bop. I was, I was tapping my foot when that came on. Yeah, okay. But it's fucking 2002. They're playing like a hit song from 1988. Like, I thought that was a, that was the one part where I was like, that's a little off. Oh. They're not going to blast on a ghetto blaster fucking. No, that's, that's a classic. So, I don't I don't know, man. That's the you fucking Lose Yourself came out in 2002. <laughs> sure. Like, there's no way that they're playing fucking It Takes Two. Uh, like, at least play Nas or some shit. Um, but yeah, so they're buying uh, drugs and Kima's taking her blurriest photos and they basically report that they, they were only able to buy from hoppers and uh, no one important is implicated all right moving on deputy ops burrell wants them to hit the projects on wednesday so basically it's over uh we're gonna wrap this shit up um which is a great thing for episode three because (laughs) it's like the idea that there's been maybe two weeks of work put into this between these like three episodes and uh it's like and we're done, right, guys? Uh, so they don't know what do- we're, doors to we're hit. We're three or episodes into the show, and there is not a wire in the show yet. So, yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, McNulty's not—he's not happy about it. He's pissed off, and he goes over to Rhonda Perlman's uh, house, who's sitting around, looking fly, doing law shit. And uh, then she sees McNulty knock, knock, knocking on her door. McNulty's and- a fuck boy. Oh, 100%. He's there to fuck. You can see (laughs) in his eyes, like... If you thought he was a nice guy, you fucked up. You fucked up, yeah, Yeah. because he's going to take the money and run. (laughs) He is is not a nice guy. He is a fuck boy. Um, And he does the most fuck boy thing ever, is he, like, shows up and is like, I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm going to enter your house now. And then when she's like, no, he's like, wait, 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 but I have a law question for you <laughs> and <laughs> shows up lets himself in and is like do you know how to how to clone a pager and then Rhonda basically tells him all right you know you have to get a judge to sign all of these papers and then you know have a supervisor sign off and then you'll be able to clone a pager and he's like all right thank you and she's like fuck off you know you're here to fuck <laughs> and uh, they have this great moment together let me understand you're married and a date is a room at the Best Western with the blinds closed. Now you're single and a date is you coming over unannounced to learn the legal requisites for a pager intercept. Pretty much? No. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. And then they fucking unison in uh, 
a very sexy way. Uh, just, I, just... I love that they made the wheezing, this wheezing sex, just like a little bit uh, gratuitous and excessive. I love. That. Yeah, it goes on for a while. Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. I mean, I, this is literally, there is a minute left and I'm not going to play the whole thing because I don't want it to be gratuitous here, but it just, they keep, and it's really kind of hot, um, but in, um, in like a gross way, which is my favorite way. It even last that long. Yeah. No one can. What was Impossible. that, like seven pumps? What are you, fucking yeah. John Holmes? <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I love that after he comes, he just looks at her and goes, you, which is, <laughs> which is a great way of asking, did you also come? And then, um, you know, she's she calls him an asshole to his face right after fucking. I, I do feel like the people are a little bit mean to Jimmy because, like, Rhonda, you don't have to fuck him. Right. right. You know, is why is, he's an asshole because you're attracted to him. And you want to fuck him right now, and he's, you know, and he wants to fuck. Mm-hmm. Come on, you can't what resist that. You can't resist that tousled Irish weasel. Yeah, dude, you gotta go for it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Jimmy leaves uh, having come, and then also getting uh, a bunch of papers in which he f- finds out how he can uh, how he can clone a pager. Um, then the re-up is late. Uh, D is getting some takeout, and Bodie wants uh, to get some food. Yeah, um, he's importantly he's getting lake trout, which uh, yes introduces you know our Keystone Baltimore delicacy uh, of, segment of the show. Uh, yeah, lake trout. Um, and let me uh, I made a uh, uh, I made a bumper, dude. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Fried chicken, lake trout. No lake, no trout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, lake trout rolled in cracker meal or cornmeal, fried hard in roiling oil, and served with a pile of cottony white bread and a sluice of vinegary hot sauce is the dish that working class Baltimore craves. Um, mm. uh, yeah. I was at Holland's Market the other day, said Dan Van Allen, president of the Araber Preservation Society, a group that celebrates the city's fa- fading horse-drawn vendor tradition. They were selling lake trout and marsh rabbits, but the marsh rabbits weren't really rabbits. They were muskrats. And what they were selling as lake trout was neither a trout nor from a lake. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Um, a bar- it's, imitation, it's imitation lake trout. Yeah. Query the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and you will learn that the fish known colloquially in the northeast as whiting is actually, actually silver hake, an ocean-going bottom dweller. Uh, Gross. A, a local variation called oyster trout is red hake. I mean, it sounds pretty good. Basically, it's like their version of fried catfish. Um, sounds delicious. My only uh, criticism is that Bodie orders a lake trout sub uh, with no mayonnaise, and I'm like, come on, you gotta. I mean, I, I can't imagine eating a fish sub with no mayo. But like, give me some extra mayo on that personally. But that's just me. You don't want a dry fish? No, I don't want a dry fish. I want a moist. Uh, you want fish. Moist? Yeah, with some tartar sauce or some something mayo based on there. You got hot sauce there. with it. Yeah, I think you need I think you need something uh mayo based in there. It does, yeah. It sounds like a recipe for choking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like you you go full dry and hot sauce. You're going to you're going to die from that. Yeah, um it's no good. But in that scene, Bodie has one of my favorite lines. After he orders, uh, he uh, Poot comes over and is like, oh, wait, 
Was D'Angelo getting food? And uh, this is what happened. No mayo, extra hot, something to drink. All right. Yo, he go for food? Yep. Oh, why you ain't tell me my stomach drowning like a motherfucker? Starve, nigga. That's, that's the coldest thing that has been said on this show this thus far. Just like telling him to starve. Uh, I love it. Bodie, we should hang out. You seem cool. Um, yeah, so in that scene, uh, the re-up is late and finally Stinkum shows up. And uh, I assume they're in the stash house just cutting it together and putting shit in vials or whatever it is that you do in a stash house. And we finally... After three episodes, introduce fucking Omar. Omar shows up with his shotgun and his partners, you know, that one guy and his lover. Um, and uh, they beat the shit out of Stinkum and they shove a shot, shotgun in a dude's face and uh, ask him ask him for the cash. And it is a, it's a grand entrance for probably one of the most iconic characters in TV. Um, and I have a clip. Ain't nothing here, yo. Fucking hell. Where that, man? Where that, shorty? Kitchen. Under the sink. Hey, yo, go on and get that. G-Packs. Let's roll. Just two. Yo, Omar, come on. Hey, what the... And that scene, that's actually, maybe the coolest job that you could have robbing <laughs> drug dealers. Yeah, yeah. yes, you know, it life is... expectancy probably not too long, but <laughs> but think it's of a nice the freedom. feather in your cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's no one boss, of those... beholden to no one. That's the American yeah. dream, right there. It he really just keeps is robbing them throughout the se- throughout the series. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a job that I didn't know existed until I saw it on this show. Mm-hmm. Like I and knew, you're like why didn't I think of that? Right, I was like. <laughs> I knew that you could, you know, that robbers, you know, exist. People will rob you. But, like, mm-hmm. the idea of, like, just strictly robbing drug dealers is, yes. like, this is the coolest Robin Hood I shit. I mean, it's, like, literally everybody else is trapped in this uh, corporate structure where they're, uh, you know, they're stuck between their shitty boss and the public, uh, mm-hmm. trapped in this awful corporate structure. Meanwhile, Omar's out here. Just living the American dream like a guy out of straight out of a Western, just robbing stage co- yeah. stagecoaches full of heroin. Like he is fucking Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, just all rolled up in one yeah. super cool dude who makes smoking cigarettes look like the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah. yeah. And and being gay. Yeah. Yeah. It makes being gay look cool too. Mm-hmm. I think that's cigarettes and poles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before Omar, being gay was for nerds. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Now being gay is the coolest thing awesome. you can be. The, literally yeah. the coolest thing you can be. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Omar shows up. They do say his name, uh, and he is mad about that. I guess because yeah. he wanted to be anonymous. It seems kind of yeah, like Yeah, he doesn't a, want people weird... to know his name. Well, it's weird for... Uh, it's a weird place for the show to start because it ends up, you know, Omar becomes this like... Like, he goes from, hey, man, don't say my name to literally just, like, walking down the street with a shotgun in broad daylight and people just hiding and throwing their, like, drugs and money yeah. at him. Well, he goes, for, yeah, he, he's, he owns his, once his name's out there, he owns the fact that he's going to become a legend and just yeah. owns, yeah, he owns his reputation. Who would have thought he was so shy at the beginning? Yeah. I totally forgot that. But, like, this, you know, like, the Barksdale organization, it shows 
the limits of nepotism. Like eventually you hire your fucking cousin who uh, mm-hmm. is incompetent, but you know, he got, he did not get his job through uh, merit and uh, you know, same with Omar's got the same kind of troubles where you, you know, hire a guy cause he's hot and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, has a nice dick or whatever. And, yeah. uh, and, and he can be incompetent too. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, but that's a different, you know, that's hiring out of like, I want to say love, but it is kind of just hiring a hot secretary because yeah. it's fun to look at. Yeah, exactly. He hired um, a hot secretary and it bit him in the ass because he guy turns out the guy didn't know XL. Yeah, he didn't know XL, not to say his name. Even um, though he was XL. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> Irony. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they get robbed and, um, of course, D shows up sandwich in hand and in mouth and is like what was that van doing and <laughs> realizes that he had just missed by a second which sucks like he, he couldn't have prevented anything but like just showing up uh to the scene of something bad happening and having food in your hand it's a bad look. manager's worst nightmare yeah any middle management person <laughs> i told you to be just... sweeping when there wasn't work around and here you're coming in with sandwiches <laughs> And Weebay is pissed about it, is scolding D for not being there when Omar jacked them. And I do feel like it's a little bit much because it's like, what the fuck was D going to do? Right. Of right. all people, like Stinkum should have been, you know, had his heads up and been ready for that. But like fucking D? No. D would have gotten his ass kicked. He probably would have gotten his ass shotgunned if he had been there. So it's it's a good thing he wasn't. Um. And then at that moment, while Weebay is scolding D, uh, the police show up for the aforementioned um, buy bust scenario to play out. Basically, Daniels has already told everyone, he briefs the detail, we're going to go in guns blazing, we're going to smash through this house, and we're going to get the drugs and take some pictures, and then we're all good to go. And McNulty is not there. He is noticeably absent. Because uh, he does not want to do anything that will destroy the case. And he makes Daniels look stupid. And we see one of these like classic McNulty versus Daniels uh, yelling scenes, which are some of my favorite. Um, because, I don't know, just getting yelled at by Lance Reddick feels scary. Mm-hmm. Like, even if he's not yelling at me... Yeah. Watching him yell at someone. Well, that's why yeah. that, that's how you know that McNulty is a true wild card is that he is not shamed. He's not intimidated. Right, exactly. I'm not going. You're insubordinate? I'm not jumping out on something I believe is going to harm the case. You want to write me up on that? You can't. You think I want this? I got the deputy ops on my ass for this shit. Now I got you showing me up in front of the whole damn detail. I don't mean to show anybody up. Get your vest on. No. Motherfucker, if you felt this way, why didn't you call in sick? I'm not sick. Write it up. I can't jump out with the rest of my unit because my tummy hurts. I'm not going to help you gut this case. If you want to pretend to be a police, you go ahead. You know, McNulty's a real asshole, I got to say. Yeah. You know? Well, but it's like, it's funny. I mean, because this leads into the the um, the the raid scene. So, like, in mm-hmm. this scene, you could be confused into thinking that The Wire is one of these shows where it's like, okay, uh, all we need is, like, some some good apples and they'll they'll fix some shit. Uh, and then we go into the raid scene and, um, and, uh, fucking, what is it? Poke or no, is it 
It's Mahone. Mahone. Mahone gets punched in the face and he drops like a sack of shit, which is hilarious. <laughs> and uh, and all the cops are like uh, attending to him while simultaneously beating the shit out of the guy who punched him. And yeah. and, they're, and they're kicking the shit out of him. And there's this moment where Kima runs over and like your first instinct is to think oh, like, she's oh, gonna, she's, she's going to stop she's this gonna, madness. She's going to stop the beating. But then you realize like, no, The Wire is not that kind of show uh, that like makes you feel good about. She's like, come here, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. and just she's she's like ass. a good cop, but she still understands the assignment, which is that like the number one rule of cops is being loyal to your fellow cops and not right. like to the the ideals of the job or whatever you think it is. Wrong door. Yeah. Yeah. Switched it yesterday. Bodhi is the one who punches Mahone and uh and you know uh, immediately gets his ass kicked and while he's on the ground getting whooped by all these cops <laughs> Mahone is on the ground as if he had just gotten shot three times, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and Polk comes over and like gives him a drag of his cigarette. <laughs> He's just like, "I'm too weak to get up to smoke. Yeah, have some cigarette." Like these guys, get him a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, get him as, as if the, he's literally on his deathbed. It is uh, so funny to watch these two cops not know how to get punched in the face. So uh, then McNulty is back in the office reading those papers. The stash house is clean. We find out the press is there. They're like, we'll take a picture of whatever you got. And they have fucking nothing. And you see this look on Daniel's face where he's just like, McNulty! Like he's pissed at him, (laughs) even though McNulty had nothing to do with it. Um, But Lester Freeman does see a phone number and writes it down. So maybe that's going to mean something later. We'll see. Uh, And in the final scene, McNulty, he's in his car. He's waiting for his Irish, you know, fed friend, uh, Fitzhugh, Mm -hmm. McHugh? Fitzhugh, yeah, I think so. And uh, I love the small detail, but, like, they meet in the parking lot, and the fed has, like, automatic windows, and McNulty has a crank (laughs) He lowers this window with he's just him having a shitty car is kind of perfect. Um, and then uh, the Fed tells McNulty that Daniels is dirty and, uh, you know, that he has money, way more money in his accounts than anyone in his job should. And um, I think in any other show, uh, it would have been like, oh, shit, he's in the game. He's a drug dealer. He is protecting drug or some shit like that and in any other show. But in this show, it's like, you know, it, it's uh, he probably like stole some money from people back when he used to be a officer, like busting people. He probably just like stole cash from drug dealers, just like every fucking drug cop has done since the beginning of the drug war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not all that deep. You don't really end up finding out much about Daniel's dirtiness. You just know that he has a past. Omar yeah. should have been a cop. If you wanted to rob drug dealers, honestly, it really is. <laughs> right. You know, it it is kind of interesting that he chose. You know, even that he's he like, couldn't no, handle I, that structure though. That's all. No, exactly. He it, the you know, McNulty and you know, Omar are really not all that different. They're mm. they're both uh, people who like to play by their own rules and uh, fuck whoever they feel like fucking, despite the consequences of it. So, besides, besides Michael Kenneth Williams, have any of these actors since passed away? 
I mean, from this episode, I'm not actually sure. Uh, let's yeah. see who's who is who's dead. Well, I know that uh, the guy who plays Prop Joe, uh, he passed. Oh, really? That's a bummer. Um, well, yeah, Omar, Michael is... K. Williams. Um, I think yeah, Omar, of course. Valchek's um, still alive, which is nice, as far as I can tell. Oh, that's we need to get. You know what? We need Valchek on this show. That's right. That's what we need. Yeah, he would be a great interview. Just him and his weird Polak face, <laughs> fucking. Talking about eating cheese or whatever his rat ass does. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, the executive producer of the show, uh, Robert Colesbury, he's dead. He died like mid third season oh. or something. All but, right. Pete. Uh, yeah. That. Uh, so yeah, that's how the episode ends. You uh, find out that Daniels is dirty uh, this whole time. Uh, is there is there anything a scene that I missed or a scene that's your favorite or least favorite that you want to shout out, uh, Vince and Mike? Hmm. I just like the stuff with D'Angelo, him uh, lecturing Bodie about, uh, you know, being polite. Yeah, being polite to junkies. Yeah, and then and then regretting that the heroin they're selling isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. It, it, to, I forgot to look up what the song was, but my, the only like sour note in this episode for me is when McNulty's in the office, like writing up reports, and he's listening to like some like Brit pop new wave type band mm. i'm like i'm sorry a fucking baltimore cop in 2002 is not listening to whatever that is he, they do a weird thing with music music is probably the biggest um oversight or it's the one part of the show where it loses me a little bit like yeah. mm -hmm. playing it takes two in the projects in 2002 and also a bunch of irish fucking middle-aged cops singing the pogues at a funeral uh you know or it, it's like no, no. Yeah. These guys, these guys do not listen to this music. Uh, this is just, it's just stuff that David Simon likes, and yeah. he just mm -hmm. wanted to be like, wouldn't it be cool if a cop liked right. new wave Brit pop? Um, yeah. But other than that, pretty good show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say my favorite scene is just watching Mahone get punched in the face because uh, he just goes down. Yeah. Like the cigarette was incredible. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, yeah, uh, let's see real quick. Uh, the real gangster, uh, getting punched in the face. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's, well, we don't need to do that segment. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, here's a question that I think we've been asking a lot. We find out this episode, or at least McNulty finds out that Kima is gay. Um, that she is a lesbian. The question I have is, um, is Bubbles gay? Hmm. Do we know if Bubbles is gay or not? I mean, I ask that like every episode. He's sort of ambiguous. Like he's got a he's got a thing where he likes to mentor uh, younger, cuter young dudes. men. Yeah. All oh, right. He could really just know. like having a mentor protege relationship. It's a little little up in the air. I don't know, man. Who else do you think is gay on the show? <laughs> uh, McNulty is uh, de like deeply closeted. Oh, I like that. It's a good yeah. theory. Because he, um, you know, who else Slim, is gay? Slim Charles. Mm. Slim Charles. I can see that. That is a really, yeah. that's like kind of a gay name. Yeah. Plus he's like, very, you know, he's fastidious about his look, I think, you know. He yeah, that's about true. His, he cares about his hair and his His hair his a lot, jackets. yeah. Mm -hmm. Who else is gay? Okay, <laughs> <Gay> Matt. <laughs> who else is gay? Right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's probably more gay guys. Anyways, yeah. um, I would say 
solid B plus episode. Vince, what would you give this episode on a uh, on a? I mean, classic solid B plus. I think. Okay, classic solid B plus. Uh, Mike Racine, what would you give this episode? I'll go A minus. Fair mm. enough. A minus is a it's a it's a good grade if we average all that out. B plus B plus A minus. I think we're giving this a solid B plus episode of The Wire and a solid A plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Mike Racine, thank you so much for coming back and talking Thanks for to having us me. Yeah. about about The Wire, man. Where yeah. can people find you? you on the internet? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Mike Racine Comedy, and uh, check out my podcast, Out for Smokes. Out for Smokes. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Patreon.com slash Frogcast for all of the bonus episodes where we talk about other things like movies and shit. Um, the $8 tier will get you a shout out. Once again, this is a pre-recorded episode before we release it. So we don't have any $8 tier people yet, but I do want to give a big shout out to Liam, AKA horse from the discord for making our logo. Vince, I oh, don't wow. know. If I, I didn't tell you this, oh, but this we, had, we had a, a, a fan, uh, one of our patrons, Liam, uh, make us a beautiful logo, and uh, I'm I'm very excited I can't for wait. people to see it. By the time you're hearing this, you have seen it, um, and that is Liam's doing. So thank you, horse, for everything. I fucking love you, bro. Uh, Frogcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks Why? again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Wire Podcast. The world's only wire podcast. Yeah, bitch, this is a show about the wire. And it's also about putting out some fires. It's about war on drugs and the war on terror. It's about lots of things, but it's also about cool guys who sell drugs to their friends and their thugs, and everybody's seeing all the things going on, and no one doing nothing, and no one's ever going to win, and the war won't end till everyone tries heroin. about schools and people who work at the docks and people who teach in schools and the newspaper guys at the end and also about drug dealers and also about drug users and also about McNulty getting a divorce from his wife he's not a very good dad and also he is bad at not drinking a lot and also this show is about I'd be too scared to do it
Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.